And now for our feature presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Botching It Up podcast. Every bruise, bump, and botch. Wrestling, you've been put on notice. Oh, let's get ready to ramble! What's up? This is the Butch Knob Podcast, and this week we're talking about Hell in a Cell 2020. With me, as always, ba- uh, Benito and my good friend Basil. Okay. And... Why don't you say hello and welcome to Botching It Up, and I have nothing to say today because I chose this show, and Edwin wasn't even going to watch it, but I made him watch this, and then he was like, oh yeah, bro, by the way, I didn't bother to watch half the matches. Hope you don't mind. (laughs) Well, I knew exactly the talking points of what we were going to talk about, and I didn't want to bother watching the really boring matches. You could have given me the heads up. I thought it was. I watched the fucking pre-show, as usual. Yeah, but you were going to watch that anyway. Yeah, I was going to watch it anyway. Well, so let me ask you about this pre-show one second, because I've got up here the lengths of the matches. This 24-7 championship match, was it a proper match, or was it a backstage thing? It was a real match in the ring uh, with Drew Gulak, who was a guy that had one of the best matches of the year against Daniel Bryan earlier in the year, against R-Truth, and R-Truth, uh, Drew Gulak makes R-Truth mad by beating up Little Jimmy. Um, oh, Little Jimmy's back? Then, yeah, Little Jimmy's back based upon... So, Little Jimmy was mentioned by Jeff Jarrett earlier in the show, who for some reason was on the Hell in a Cell pre-show, which I was really excited to tell you about, because uh, I'm a massive Jarrett mark. He didn't really do anything, but it, he mentioned Little Jimmy, and then all of a sudden, Little Jimmy popped up, and Drew Gulak beat him up, and then R-Truth did the five-knuckle shuffle. <laughs> Cool. And one. And I'm not going to bitch about this, okay? Because Drew Gulak's an adult, male, man, adult yep. person. Yep. He he re-signed a contract with Vince McMahon. He knew what he was getting in for. He, he, he just wanted a little bit more cash. So I'm not going to go to bat for the guy, because quite obviously this is what he wants to be doing with his time, because he could have easily got a contract with Impact or AEW. But I have to say, it's very sad to watch a guy of that caliber, especially considering some of the matches he's had this year, not only drop to kickoff, but drop to playing, as Jim Cornette would say, with the Invisible Man and uh, losing to R-Truth in a couple of Was it at least an entertaining match? It was too short to be entertaining. It was just a thing. Okay. I I don't understand the kickoff shows in general anymore uh, because... Surely they're meant to sell the show. They're aired live on YouTube and Facebook. I don't really know anybody that's going onto the network after watching Our Truth versus Drew Gulak. I feel like nobody. I just. I feel like it doesn't work anymore. There's nobody watching this on Facebook that doesn't already have the network. You know. Is there anybody even watching this at this point? I'm not sure. Well, the pre-show. Yeah. Or even people that have the network. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you don't watch it. I would say the majority of people don't it's watch it. It's just you and your OCD. Just me and my OCD and the fact that Jeff Jarrett was on it. So let's get into the the real show. Uh, so the first match on the card is the Roman Reigns, Jay Uso, I Quit Hell in the Cell match. I'm going to defend myself before you get angry with me. I liked the match and I liked the story. I'm really annoyed with the fact that there was like 
three stipulations forced into one match and actually the story didn't need any of the stipulations and i was sat there thinking when they they put the strap on each other's hands like surely you can't be loving this you hate gimmick matches and they've forced free gimmicks on onto you okay well it's a, I, I don't even know how i'm gonna battle all of those flurry of questions but you, you, one of the main things that you said to me with this match was that the actual in-ring quality wasn't great. And uh, you, you're also saying that they're throwing stuff around inside the match, different gimmicks and varying ideas for no apparent reason. And I would say both of those issues come down to the serious issue that this show had, which was booking, us, booking themselves into a corner, getting confused about pacing and getting confused about how to keep anything or everything interesting. And this comes down to the basic idea that we have been given three Hell in a Cell matches on a three-hour show, all of which are going 20 to 30 minutes. So you've got the Hell in a Cell match as as an idea being put on three quarters of a pay-per-view show. And I, I can only assume that's why we had impromptu strap matches. That's why we had I quit stipulations. That's why we had people climbing up to the top of the cell. They, I think WWE did a really, really good job of trying their best to make each match fresh and feel a little bit different. Yeah, they did something different every single time. But and it worked, they, in a way. They also shouldn't have booked three main event Hell in a Cell matches on the same show. It's been the case for years that they're forced to do this because, for some reason, they keep wanting to have a show named after the gimmick right and they're, they're deep deep set into that rot now i i get that but you didn't need d- despite all of the fancy tricks that they had with mcintyre and we we will get on to that i i think they did a the best job they possibly could with what they had given themselves i don't know even know how many times i've said that phrase now on this podcast they did the best job they so could with times. what they've given themselves like all the time every time you try to defend them <laughs> But I mean that that match that match that main event did not need a Hell in a Cell. Nobody believed the fractured jaw thing. Mm. Everybody it was quite clearly Randy Orton had an, an amazing year. Drew McIntyre had an amazing year, and they forced a feud onto us that wasn't working. And they carried it on and bloody mindedly said, "Well, you know what? We're we're not just going to even take it into the cell. We're going to put it on top of it because you guys aren't listening to us. We've told you over and over again." This is a really great match. You need to watch it. It's in the hell of the well, cell. Well, I think they had to go on top of the cell because how else could they follow Sasha Banks and Bailey? Because for yeah. me, they for sure had match of the night. And then Orton and Drew were left with nothing. They had to do something crazy. Yeah, and I, I, this is the problem because, you. I mean, your main issue with the Roman Reigns match when you were talking to me about it, when you were just watching it through, was that you said you loved the story. Uh, but there was no in-ring quality. You thought the match itself okay. was, was pretty Okay, dire. so let me explain this. The first uh, 15 minutes of their match, I loved it. I thought those two together, great chemistry. Um, it was a decent match, but they overbooked the match in the last 10 minutes. There was there was too much of choking each other unconscious, and the referee, the referee would just stand there on top of him and say, do you quit, do you quit, do you quit? The guy's unconscious, not answering. Like, how does that make any logical sense? Everyone just looks stupid. And then people run into the cell. So no longer do we have this gimmick of they're trapped in a cell, they're going to kill each other. No, the door's open. There's like eight people in there, but the eight people aren't doing anything. They're not holding anyone back. They're not getting in the way. They just stood there crowding the place. 
And it just more and more things, more and more layers keep happening and none of it makes sense. And for me, it was just tearing the match apart. And I thought the match was thrown out. And then they beat up and then we get that really cool spot where Roman sat there and he starts crying. He's like, who have I become? And Jimmy's like, we're there for you, brother. We'll help you. And he starts choking him out. And then, then Jay quits to save his brother, which in the moment itself is really cool. But I thought the match had been thrown out 10 minutes ago. I didn't realize we still had a match here. It was chaos and absurd. You, I mean, this is a really interesting perspective that you're showing me because you, I did not see any of this stuff that you're talking about. I did not see the crowding of... Um, the the cell i didn't see the the rules of the cell having to be closed because basically and fundamentally they got me they got me in the story uh roman doing three spears on uh uso and then uso saying i can't breathe and they were just muttering to each other and uh roman saying over and over again to jay uso at one point come on us let's go home let's go home just talking to himself paul Heyman's getting a bit worried not on behalf of jay uso but on behalf of what roman reigns will do to jay uso yeah. when he gets back up it felt vicious it felt real uh it felt bloodthirsty it felt fitting for a, a cell match and while i understand the the points that you're making about the actual effectiveness of the reality of the situation of the match I didn't notice because I thought they did an excellent job of immersing me within that story to the point where, I swear, man, I don't think you would have noticed this anywhere near as much if they had a crowd, honestly, because it started to get to those levels of storytelling, not saying it to the same quality, but to those levels of storytelling that you're seeing in Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior, Hogan versus Rock, where they can just land a clothesline on each other. And the, the crowd's going mental. They're eating it up because they're delivering such a powerful back and forth. Yeah, for sure. If there was a crowd, this would be next level. I actually kind of like the strap stuff because it, it just added another layer of viciousness. Because after the clash match, I didn't really know where they were going with this. Because Roman brutally murdered Jey Uso, basically. I liked when Roman first came in and he started acting like Brock without the fury. He was just calm, collected and controlling. But then he started selling for, for Jey Uso, which I didn't like as much because we'd already seen him be, be destroyed, you know. So I, I thought that adding that strap was good because it added a level of sort of furious intensity while making it deeply personal okay, yeah. again. The, the strap is fine, but I'd, it was the last five minutes of the whole thing. Like it really broke. I, for me, it, it just it felt really stilted. It wasn't a match anymore. I think if we hadn't had all those people come in to try and break them up and we just had that final moment with Jimmy, because that was a really nice finish and really, really fitting of the Oh, story. it was a great finish. And honestly, the fit, the finishes throughout the show for the matches that actually mattered were great. All three of them. So honestly, it goes down to, I think, I think I say this every time we do a WWE pay-per-view, the guys in the ring, the talent, like nailed it but the people who are putting this match together it just feels sloppy and overbooked okay i'm i'm gonna take that um i'm gonna disagree with it as much as i usually agree with it because i actually thought that the the actual hell in a cell matches were well put together i do get your point about the roman match feeling unstructured because it definitely was it was a bit all over the place it was chaotic there were people running around and doing stuff but just for me personally, I thought it suited. I thought it felt 
normal. It felt fine mm-hmm. because they've built Roman up to a point now where he's quite clearly willing to hurt and do anything to his family family and his relatives. So what do you think of the Wild Samoans making a cameo, coming out in socks and sandals? So this was great as well. Yeah, um, it's cool. I read up somewhere about the the garlands. So mm-hmm. the, uh, the the white garland represents peace and harmony and family and stuff, uh, which is why Jey Uso tears it apart just before Roman gets in the ring. And the red garland is reserved only for the head of the tribe, for the kingsmen, for the uh, lions of, of the Samoan tribe. So that's why they handed him a red garland and basically showed their approval over these losers, Usos, as as the the king. I love everything that they're doing with this, and they've tried to do this stuff before. Like they gave us Cena Orton for a year, and tried to t- tell us that that there was this much intensity to it. But this stuff just writes itself. I wish uh, I wish commentary had explained that a bit better. They kind of got the point across that he was given the red one to be anointed as the leader of the family, but they didn't explain it as well as you just did. Well, it's just Cole getting a bit too excited, isn't it? Because I picked up that white garland bit from him directly, mm. and that made me go look up the red stuff, which they should have just mentioned. But then, obviously, again, there's little things like that. Uh, the, the red and white garland, the fact that Jay was wearing white and uh, Roman was wearing black. These seem like small details that Vince wouldn't tell Cole to say because Vince didn't come up with them. This this seems like a lot of the story has been created between the Usos and Roman, yeah. and they've they've put in small tiny details because they actually care about the program. And look what happens when a wrestler, when two wrestlers really care about the program. Yeah, it's fantastic stuff. So you reckon we're going to one day get Roman versus Rock? I think that it has to build up to that, right? Like At I assume they went with Jay two months in a row because Jimmy's currently injured. I I would have assumed that it would be Jay and Jimmy down the line, The Rock. I think The Rock might make an appearance in Survivor Series if they actually want to plan in advance for once and then build up to that Mania match. If they've got the cash for it. But isn't Rock officially on the Impact roster? <laughs> yeah, well, he is. <laughs> it's been an interesting week in wrestling, man. Brandon Cutler, the Dungeons & Dragons nerd, got his first win with some, like, uh, nerd Lego in an okay. in a, in a AEW dark match. Okay. Uh, Johnny Bravo got shot on Impact. Yeah, I saw that. (laughs) Uh, And Tracy Smothers died about two hours before we went to air. So RIP Tracy Smothers. Oh, really? Shit. We're we're about to spend a little bit more time with him if we carry on our route from 1990 onwards. In our 90s saga, yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that you think all of the Hell in the Cell um, decisions were good. I imagine because Randy Orton's your boy, you're happy with him being champion, but you've been supporting Drew all year. How are you feeling about the belt being swapped? So I, uh, when I first when I first saw the the news about this, I was pretty pissed off. Uh, I just did. I hated the fact that they had to give the championship to Orton because again, it's just leading to Orton Edge at Mania for the championship. That feud, as we we said years like months ago, that doesn't need a belt. Mm-hmm. And that's that's solely the seems to be the reason why Orton is getting that belt. That being said, after watching the actual match, I thought they sold 
drew as refusing to give up as a as a hard babyface champion so much that uh i didn't have too much of a problem with it uh, as much as i thought i would and that's purely because he after coming off the top of the cell it wasn't the top of the cell because that did, really didn't impress me much it was uh, yeah, they kind of went up there did a couple of things and came straight back down again yeah, I mean, honestly, man, like, getting good reviews, I didn't see much of anything in it. I thought it was long, drawn out. They didn't have anything to do after the women's. They went to the top just because they needed to have an angle to do. Uh, the, the the shots of the drone was cool. They had drone shots going around the cell, but they didn't do anything on the cell. And then they basically got down to a level which is at the yeah. same level as the top rope. Drew took a, a bump from the top rope, basically. But it was it was the dragging himself past round the cell back into the ring. I loved him doing a desperation attempt backslide, which is how he won SummerSlam match. Just yep. little attentions to detail like that, going for the claymore, and then finally, uh, Randy Orton puts him out of his misery. I thought if you're gonna take the belt off Drew, that's the best way to keep him strong. Well, a lot of people thought he was gonna drop it last pay per view. Has it been worth him keeping it an extra month, really? No, I mean, this is just WWE's booking again. It's the same thing with Otis Miz. They decide something on the fly that probably wasn't supposed to happen, change it, and then change it back again. So, I'm not going to take credit for this, uh, but someone else online came up with a really good idea. So, The Miz won the Money in Bank briefcase, right? Yeah. The idea being that The Miz would cash in the briefcase during the Hell in the Cell match, but then Randy Orton pins The Miz oh. rather than pinning Drew. To win the belt. So, so, so Miz joins the triple threat and then gets... Yeah. I get that, yeah. So then Drew wouldn't be pinned for the belt, giving an argument to the fact that they could have a rematch down the road. The the basic issue I have with this is not the way that they booked it. I thought the agents did a really good job tonight of, of trying their very best to keep everybody strong. It's the fact that it has to be done at all. And the, the thing that bothers me and baffles me so much is this stupid WWE booking. I think I talked about the exact same thing last week. They keep saying over and over again in promos that Drew McIntyre had been undefeated for nearly a full year and then was pinned by Randy Orton in a six-man tag match on Raw. Yeah, you were really pissed off about this last week. I still am. What what was the need? What, what was necessary to do that? I understand that WWE have this idea in their head that you have to keep a challenger looking strong so that the crowd knows that they could potentially win. We're mm. talking about Randy fucking Orton. They, they don't need Randy Orton to get a, a cheap win over a champion to say to the crowd, look, he might win. People always expect that Randy Orton might well be winning. There was no need for it. And if you're going to have this big moment, you're going to have, if you really want the, the championship on Orton, make it a big deal. Make McIntyre losing via pinfall, his first pinfall loss in a year. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't do it on Raw a month before. I don't even understand why Drew needs to drop the belt right now. Is it because there's no other contenders really on his level? I, d I don't understand that argument either, because if there's no contenders on Drew's level, you don't get rid of Drew, you build up some contenders. True. <laughs> you know? True. Um, no, I, I think it's because they want that extra heat at Mania for the belt with Edge and Orton. I also, I also believe that um, Survivor Series, that one of the things I'm thinking here is that Survivor Series is always champion versus champion, right? Yeah. So I, I think that they'd rather have Orton eat a loss to Roman than 
Drew eating the loss to Roman because I think they're seeing Drew Roman as their big money match in a couple of years' time. Oh, I see. I so, I was under the impression that they just want Drew to win it back when there's a crowd, so he finally gets his like moment of glory. There are there are uh, ideas out there, including yours, that that do make sense as to why this has to happen. I just don't see why it had to happen with this feud mm. and 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 that guy i've been a randy orton fan since i was a kid man but he doesn't he's getting to a point now he's getting to that undertaker point he doesn't need a belt he doesn't need anything no everything he does from now on will feel interesting without a championship did you uh yeah. did you hear the statistic that he's now matched triple h in world championships that's disgusting <laughs> does that should make you happy no, I, it, uh, Orton's one of those guys that in a perfect world would fuck off to AEW for like six months and then take a year off and then come back because mm. he's just he's been on he's been on TV continually since 2002. He just needs a little break. I, I just he's become almost part of the scenery as as good as he is. He just needs a little break to get fresh again so that people miss him. Well, a part a part of the scenery. Have you seen online the uh, the graphics and stuff that we've currently got Randy Orton as champion, the Miz as Money in the Bank winner, which is the exact same as two thousand and ten. Yeah, I heard about this. What made me laugh is that they've probably given the bank contract to Miz on purpose so that we can remember the, this historic event from their past. Yeah. But I, I can't remember anything that happened after two thousand seven. It all just blurs into one. Apparently, this was a big moment. Miz won. Yeah, this off Randy This Orton. was like the Miz's like first crowning of him becoming a main event, wasn't it? It was that immediately before the Mania where he gets shunned by uh, the Rock overtaking his presence. Yeah, he's like has the same level of importance in that WrestleMania match as uh, a referee. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I. The thing that I find funny about this, the self delusions of the WWE, is that they think that we remember this as an event as a marquee idea. And I, I don't know, maybe younger kids do, but I don't particularly remember The Miz cashing in on Randy Orton, and I wouldn't really care if they repeated the same thing 10 years later, because it's not exactly Austin Rock, is it? Well, can you imagine any other decade than putting the belt, I know Money in the Bank's not that old, but a secondary belt on people that were the top guys 10 years earlier? Like, imagine the 90s, you know, Stone Cold and The Rock are white hot, but they put it on Hogan and Mr. Perfect. Well, this is the thing, man. 1980, WWE was WWWF, and it was a, a territory promotion run by Vince McMahon Sr. Skip to 1990, and it's roided out larger-than-life freaks with Hulk Hogan, Big Boss Man, uh, doing sort of childish kiddie wrestling. Very cartoony. Very extremely cartoony and over the top. You cut to 2000, you've got peak of the Attitude Era, crazy stuff going on, bad language, blood. Blood, boobs, yep. stunts, fire. 2010, yeah. we go back to kid-friendly, and it, everything kind of feels shiny like it's a McDonald's toy. The, the HD era. But there's not a hell of a lot going on. What has changed in the decade between 2010 and 2020? Exactly the same, but no Cena. It, but isn't that mental? Like, just looking through those decades from Vince McMahon Sr. up until now, there's one decade that hasn't changed whatsoever and the same two people are on top. And it's not 2010, it was a bit earlier than that. It was whenever they changed to the uh, kind of electric stageway, like 2000 and 
seven or eight. I remember Chris Jericho versus Shawn Michaels uh, ladder match from I think No Mercy two thousand eight was the last one that was allowed blood and it was a bit brutal and I think that was the big turning point toward back towards yeah. PG. Oh wait. But it's not even that PG is necessarily a bad thing. That that's not the point I'm trying to make here. It's the fact that there's absolutely no change in style or substance for for a decade. Well, Randy Orton has had a bit of a gimmick change. I feel. Well, in the la- in the last week, it seems like he's cosplaying as uh, Agent Forty Seven from Hitman, dressing <laughs> up, dressing up in costumes and uh, attacking people. I loved his night vision goggles. Yeah, but they didn't even look like night vision goggles. They look they more look like the goggles that um Dr. Edman wears in Sonic. Sure, yeah, they I don't know. They were just, they I don't were just even, painted green. I don't even know where they would have got them from. It was it was quite a splinter cell actually. Um do you know Graham Green? No. He he wrote Brighton Rock and and toward, okay. towards the end of his life he kept a journal of his dreams. And I'm really fascinated at this point to see whether Vince McMahon is also doing the same thing or whether the pay-per-views are just becoming fever dreams of his, honestly. Because I I can completely imagine McMahon having a a dream in which Randy Orton in night vision goggles takes out Ric Flair at the big show. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I'm waking up and thinking, God damn it, I need to get that on TV. It's the same thing with, like, Lauren Otis, right? JBL's... Oh god, I actually went back and watched this. <laughs> so JBL's the judge. Yeah. Ron Simmons just does his damn. Well, I'm glad that Ron Simmons has still got work in 2020. I mean, same. What the? Why was Teddy Long there? He didn't even do a catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> he just said, "Oh yeah, no, I completely understand Japanese." Yeah, but then in the wide <laughs> angle, he wasn't even in the shot. I got no idea where he came from. Or but, where. I mean, if that's not a Vince McMahon dream. That he just woke up one day and said, I've just had this dream, this is happening now. I don't know what is. And the Miz is a lawyer and... I thought it must have been actually quite awkward for them filming that scene because uh, the Miz was the lawyer and JBL was the judge. Yeah. Right? Yeah. JBL used to beat the shit out of the Miz. I I was there thinking that uh, Wrestler's Court has got posh. You know, they got fancy furniture. (laughs) They got a bailiff. I'm surprised they didn't make more inside jokes about it, honestly. Also, I wanted to mention that we are getting The Undertaker again, whether we like it or not. I don't know whether he's wrestling. He's doing a 30-year th- uh, celebration, right? It's a Survivor Series. Yeah, wheel him out from his crypt again. Poor but old th- 30 years is 1990. Was he in the WWF in 1990? Because I feel like I'm currently watching him in WCW. Uh, I assume... I would assume that he was in the WWF Bang On Survivor Series 1990. Right? Okay, okay. I hope so anyway, because th- there's always that. <laughs> Do you remember when they did um, WrestleMania 25 and called it the 25th anniversary? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I remember you <laughs> ranting about it for the next two years. <laughs> I enjoyed the Ric Flair Street Profits costume designer Skittles advert. I thought the. <laughs> Yeah, but then then it has like their heads in a bubble at the end, and I was just thinking, Ric Flair doesn't even know what he's doing. I feel like he doesn't <laughs> no, know no, what no. he's turned up to film. His uh, his eyes are permanently glazed now. It's like they just told, um, they wheeled me out. They told me to do some woos. What were your thoughts on the main event overall? Um, I felt like it wasn't the main event, but again, that might just because I was I was fatigued of hell in the cell matches at that point. So maybe it... this is the problem. This is the problem throughout the whole show. It's the pacing of the whole show. This is why I keep saying I I, I have nothing against the, even the people that booked the matches because they're just trying to make three Hell in a Cell shows interesting. It's not 
Abyss or Tyson Kidd or Michael Hayes that are deciding there's three cells on the show. They've just got to try and talk to each other and make it work. But I, I, I felt, I'm the same as you, I felt heavily fatigued by the time this main event came on. And when they started brawling on the outside before the match even started, I realized there was 45 minutes left. Yeah, every single cell match went over 28 minutes, but the last one was 30 minutes. So yeah. if they'd cut down the time for each, do you think that there wouldn't be this this sort of level of rot that we, we felt? I I don't think the Roman Reigns... Jay Uso match needed to be in the Hell in the Cell. I think if that was just an I Quit match, we would have got the same match. They used the Cell a few times, but wasn't necessary. I'd still rather the Roman match be in the Cell than than the match. Oh yeah, no, I would rather it be. I'm just saying that match could have been just as good without it. Yeah, a large problem as well is is not just the trying to pace three cells in a three hour show. It's what you fill in with. The slapjack Bobby Lashley was fine because that was a three, three and a half minute piece of bullshit that nobody was paying attention to and sort of cleansed the palate or attempted to for the next Hell in a Cell. But they put two of the worst angles on TV at the moment, one after the other, after the first cell. So it's not really because the whole point of these matches outside of the big gimmick matches, right, is to sort of calm you down, chill you out, give you something different so that you, you're then rejuvenated again for the next gimmick yeah. match. I, I assume that's the point of them. But you've just given me two boring matches in a row that I don't want to see. I've always found this so fascinating about WWE, because I, just like everyone else, need those respites between the big matches. But then when you watch shows like New Japan, they never give you a break. Each match is better than the last one, and they just keep ramping it up more and more and more until your main event. They never give you a piss break. But in WWE, you need but a piss break. I feel like that's just different styles, though, isn't it? That, I know, but I just find it so crazy that that is, that is a thing. New, New Japan is not catered to storyline throughout the entire show. And maybe that's where WWE goes wrong. You might be right. Like, do we need continual storyline the whole show? We, we've got it with the three main Hell in a Cell matches. Do we, how much do we care about Elias Jeff Hardy? And Let's that, just guess, see a random AJ Bobby Lashley match for no reason. But I think that would get boring as well, wouldn't it? Possibly. I don't know. There's, there's something about the WWE's style, and I think it is catered towards the, the problem of storyline, where they just seem to continually suffer from having to come up with a reason for people to, to fight. And if they don't come up with a reason to, for people to fight, it feels a lot more stagnant than a normal television match on AEW in which they have no reason to fight. Yeah. What about those pointless matches then? What What's your opinion on The Miz beating Otis? I don't really understand it, honestly, because um, you could have just had Otis lose the... like. So it's obvious that this is another Vince McMahon thing. He wanted the, the belt on... He wanted the briefcase on Otis, changed his mind about a month later, took him off TV... And now he's given it back to company man, the Miz, for no reason. Because we all know that Miz won't be cashing that in. Well, I assume not. <laughs> Vince might have another dream. But uh, I, I assume he won't be. I was I was thinking that while I was watching the match. Why not just have Otis have a failed cash-in? Because we haven't seen that in a long time Well, now. exactly. It, it adds so, sort of unpredictability to the Money in the Bank briefcase contract. It's quite clear that they've thrown this year's out the window and they don't want anything to do with Otis. And you could have probably made Roman look like even more of a monster 
if you know he's just had a match and then Otis cashes in and then Roman just absolute murders yeah. him. Yeah, and who really cares about the Miz right now? He's been in some of the worst angles of the year. Now you're giving him a briefcase so he can be smarmy about it and continually bother the main event. I don't want the Miz anywhere near the main event right now. The, the Miz surely is not going to be champion. I, so he's going to be a failed cash in as I well. I don't know. I don't know anything. I can't say anything about WWE anymore. I I used to be. A, they used to be painfully predictable, but they're getting to a point now where they're no longer predictable at all in a very bad way. That's because they change the decision every five minutes. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe they'll just keep defending the briefcase all the way up until whenever the next pay per view is. Do you want to hear something funny about uh, Tucker turning on Otis? Go on. They're on different brands. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> I thought I thought Tucker was technically unbranded. No, he was branded. He was branded to Raw on the internet. Oh, okay. And Otis on SmackDown. So they've just started a feud between <laughs> two people on different brands, one week removed from the draft. Oh my god! I of, thought you'd like that. Of one. course they have, because there's no rules. Who cares? Just... I think John John Morrison needs to get away from this stink. I think, uh, he, yes, he's much he's, better than this. He's way too good for this. Like, because Miz is a company. Miz would do whatever McMahon asks him to, and he'll lap it up and say, yes, sir. But John Morrison, since he's come back for his retirement hedge fund, I thought they would have used him a little bit better than the way that they've treated him. Vince probably doesn't even know John Morrison did anything while he was gone. He's just like, oh, there's the Miz tag team partner back again. <laughs> so that's the thing again. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the the actual match was a boring television match, just the same as the Jeff Hardy match. Oh yeah, no, I don't care about the match. It was just really the uh, the result and the fact that Tucky uh, turned on his. I, I quite like the story of him turning on Otis because it makes complete sense. Because they're meant to be a tag team, but Otis has had the spotlight for like a year. So yeah, I thought his um, backstage promo after the after the match was decent, but again. How far do I care? Because as Tucker himself said, nobody saw me. Mm. Well, yeah, nobody saw you. So why would we care now? We don't even know you anymore. Well, I do feel sorry for Otis. I don't know because you've been watching regularly. I don't know if you've noticed, but he has slimmed down a ton over this year. He's lost weight. He looks faster. I think like in himself, he was trying to get to that main event level. And he nearly got there, but it was just a, it was just a Vince win. Vince decided he liked him for a couple of weeks and then decided he wanted him nowhere near the mid-card even. After if they that. treat him carefully, he definitely could be there one day. I think he's one of the guys that's probably been impact, impacted the hardest by the lack of crowd. Mm. Uh, he, he's one of those guys that really lives or dies off of crowd reaction. And it, it was all going so well because I think Vince was hearing that decibel level of, of Otis being loved. And they had this stupid romance angle and the Mandy Rose stuff. And he made it work. And the crowd dug everything. Um, so the rug, I think, just got completely pulled well, off. He's a comedy him. guy, isn't he? Because, so he needs the crowd. Yeah, so Vince just thought he was a one, one-trick one pony. Yeah, no, I didn't hate that as much as Jeff Hardy versus Elias, which is just, it was a basic no-frills television match with an absolutely dreadful angle. This feud has absolutely no heat because... The heels' actions make no sense. Like in the pre-show, throughout, we were, we've been told over and over again by commentators, pre-show panelists, interviewers that Elias is kind of dumb because Sheamus ran him over. Jeff Jarrett said that to his face, <laughs> and I don't think Jeff Jarrett was following 
his script. <laughs> so Elias got called off guard. He didn't know how to reply to that. What did he say? I, I, I think every single... He's just like, oh, you're, you're obnoxious or something. Right. <laughs> so I think Elias is really struggling to figure out why Elias uh, is going after Jeff Hardy when Sheamus ran him over. And I think everybody else is as well. Yeah. It's so, it's Because uh, his character is usually quite one step ahead. It was used to be. And now he's portrayed as I, quite an idiot. I said this before. I'll say it again. Uh, this would have been the perfect time to try Elias out as a face. Because he's a guy, again, that feeds off crowd reaction. And he's not going to get that. And he's he gets more crowd reaction when he's a heel. But you you can you can look you can pipe in this is awesome and holy shit all you want but there's no one actually there saying that this is the ideal time to experiment with people that you've only ever seen get a crab reaction yeah hell you know if you if you got nothing to lose turn Otis heel <laughs> oh god <laughs> you know turn Otis heel turn turn Elias face turn these guys that are one type of character to the crowd the other way. Just to see just if to they see can what do happens. it, because you might actually get a winner. You know, you you don't but, even know. And this is the ideal time. I think to it was try Heyman it out. was saying that it's impossible for them to gauge what's really getting over because there's no crowd reaction. So they're just going over sure. what the internet is saying. But Vince doesn't read comments over the internet. So Vince is just in like an island by himself right now, just doing whatever he wants. I think. No idea yeah. what's over. Well, he always has been. Well, yeah. <laughs> but like you said, no, he was listening to when Otis got over with the crowd. So he he was using that cra- the the live crowd to gauge who to push. And now he just doesn't have that. I think it was the last vestige to, with reality that yeah. he had left. It was, it, it, it was his only society, the <laughs> WWE crowd, as sad as that sounds. Sure. So now he's just a man on an island. Yeah, definitely is. So that brings us to the only match we haven't talked about. I think, dude, match of the night for me. Sasha Banks beats. Uh, what, 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 what about Bobby Lashley? We, versus di- we discussed Slapjack, that as much man. as it needed to be discussed. <laughs> I hate this fucking feud. Do you have any... It pisses me off because it's hills versus hills, and they want you to give a shit. And why do I give a shit about either team? I I would like to give massive congratulations to MVP and the Hurt Business for not drowning under the absolute dredge that a feud with Retribution brings. MVP still No, they're going to come out this the winners. Is Retribution are going to be buried? But the whole concept of Retribution at this point is just ridiculous, man. But like, did you see the thing on Raw with uh, Maya Yim shouting, get it off me, get it off me, get it off me? And she's like, she's rolling around on the floor, scratching herself, saying, get it off me. It looked like she was having a seizure. Oh, yeah, you said something about this. What? So I assume that the new gimmick, right, is, this, hear me out here, because I, I tried to think of it from Vince McMahon's perspective. The new gimmick is that they've been microchipped. What? By, by Ali, the computer hacker. Oh, fuck off. And he's mind He's mind controlling them so that they like defeat the system because he's bitter that none of his pushes have worked out, and they're gonna like come that like his hacking machine's gonna break, and they're gonna like come back alive and and go back to being Javokovic and be like, what what's going on? Where have we been? <laughs> I, I, I oh, bet dude. you a fucking pipe. No. I bet you a pipe. That's pint, complete man. science fiction because there's no way that's a thing. 
I also mm. love the. F I f I find storyline. I find it really funny that the Nexus was actually pretty successful. Like yeah, in they history. were like really popular at the beginning. So why didn't they just turn up from NXT as themselves and say call themselves Nexus Party? We're taking over. Like yeah. why did they have to be? Why did they have to be some sort of weird Bane masks? Um, <laughs> and the masks don't even work. Oh, Maya you... Kim is so obviously it's her. You can tell. Well, no, it's it's not even that, dude. She, if you watch her promo, she has to keep pushing it up. She's falling yeah, off. Brilliant. Yeah, you missed one nice power slam. That was uh, who is Slapjack? Slapjack is Shane Thorne, who I'm not okay. very familiar with. Yeah, I was hoping you knew anything about him. I know of him, but uh, I think he was wasn't he part of a tag team? And it like he was hanging around Raw for like two weeks uh, with MVP. And then he just ran away again. Do you remember no. that? Anyway. Yeah, so Sasha Banks versus Bailey. Oh dude, for me, this is night of this is match of the night. It was fantastic. It was so innovative. Like the way they were using weapons, the way they were jumping off the cage, um, the spots that they did, everything felt fresh. I had, I had so much fun with this. I think this is this is very clearly um what happens when you build a feud up for long enough to the point where people are actually excited to see what happens and the wrestlers were are into giving the best thing possible this was a great match there's some amazing spots in this as well uh like a, a sunset flip into a power oh, the sunset was, flip into um, the the chair that's wedged into the corner and a head just smashes into that it was, yeah, oh fuck. that was brutal that was brutal Sasha's meteoras were really good as well. I noticed that's a move that they kept saying now. Um, do, do you know what? Do you know what Sasha was? Do you know what Bailey? Sorry, was trying to do with those. Right, two I wanted to talk about this because I know I actually loved this moment. So she went under the ring and got some duct tape, and then she couldn't open the duct tape. So she yells at the ref, "I'm really sweaty. Can you help me with this?" And the ref was like, "No, I can't help you." Like, his, his tone was just like, are you an idiot? Of course I can't help you, the competitor. And I just love the fact that I don't know if that was ad-lib, whether she didn't want the, she didn't want the camera to pick her Definitely. up or whether she did it on purpose. But either way, I think it it fits her character perfectly that she's, she's so up her own ass that she thinks people are going to help her beat someone up, you know? I, I thought it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. And then she mm -hmm. taped up some, some fucking kendo sticks that just looks useless and stupid. And then she turns around to the commentary team and is like, you see what I did there? This is going to really hurt. And we're all looking at it like, what are you on? <laughs> it's fucking useless. <laughs> and anyway, so much time has stalled. I was like, oh, they've botched a, a moment here. But then Sasha's got um, the fire extinguisher. And then they keep going. I was like, oh, was she stalling for time on purpose? Or... Did she not hit a mark and then they just saved it? Either way, it worked. This was definitely not on purpose. And can you imagine Ryback in the same spot? If someone else, yeah, that got really flustered, it would have looked awful. <laughs> but they saved it. Whatever was meant to happen there. Um, yeah, everything about this was great. I, if I was to nitpick, it went a little too long for me. Just before the like 10 minutes before the end, where they started to flag in energy and therefore the sort of momentum started to flag and and therefore the aggression between the two and that the sort of bitterness and hatefulness that had been present throughout the entire match sort of went away but once they got back into the finish again they go went into the closing moments and, and put together some nice set pieces 
it, it was straight back on. Yeah, on, I get uh, that. I feel level. like all of the guys and girls in the hell in the cell were told that they have to go thirty minutes. Well, it didn't. It didn't drag anywhere near as long as Orton McIntyre. I was so disappointed with Orton McIntyre because those are two of my favorite guys of the year. You know, I just, I thought it was a, and a, the equivalent of, I don't know, fireworks. Right, they're pretty to look at, but there's yeah. no substance going on, and it's just a, you're, you're waiting around for a minute or two before. The uh, next we've set discussed it many on. times, and I don't know why. Like, I don't dislike Drew, but I can't get on board with him so much. Yeah, you know, you didn't but like Drew as much as me. These two. I've loved them all year. I feel like they've had the best matches, the best story. Um, they dragged um, the Rock's cousin through a match somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, where... they, they got they both they got landed some pretty bad. Yeah, teams. and they've and they've just pulled it out of the bag. For for me, these two have been the star players all year, and this match lived up to it. I'm just a little disappointed that this blow off match. It's probably not over anyway, but it this didn't happen at Mania because I feel like this match. Five minutes shorter could have headlined WrestleMania. That's the thing with this at the moment. You, I mean, there's a lot of, and I agree with you completely. I wanted this at Mania as well. There's a lot of matches, a lot of feuds that seem to. I don't know whether you agree with me on this. They, they just don't seem to be paced correctly, or uh, organically sort of paced. Because Sasha Bailey, everybody thought went too long, because they couldn't actually. They didn't actually expect them to keep them together for so long and then they did and people were yeah. excited and then it just sort of fizzled out again the opposite with uh, Orson McIntyre, nobody was really dying for that match and they just kept it going for a really long time and then weirdly give Orton the win at the end of us being bothered with it's it it's because they're never in control but because they have all of the best wrestlers in the world whenever stuff is naturally happening it's great but the writers and the bookers themselves are never in control, so they're losing the spark, and then they're re-sparking it, you know, and it's over and over. They, it does it does really, really show how, just how lost they are when they don't have a crowd. It, it, and I think it's worse with WWE because they are such an insular company. They are such an internal force. They, they don't look around them or understand what's going on anywhere else. So that when they're removed from their one life support, they they can't judge it for themselves naturally at yeah, all. Yeah, which is a shame because they've they've had some great stuff this year, and I feel like they keep dropping the ball and then just almost catching it before it's completely ruined. It's really really confusing for me to try and understand that you have Jay Uso and Roman Reigns having a feud in the same company that Retribution is. <laughs> I don't even know how that on works. the same TV show as well, right? Yeah. Oh, they've much. swapped now. Yeah, I, they've swapped now. But I mean, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. How how does that even exist? Anyway, I just wanted to talk quickly about beauty of this fi- this finish. That th- this was my favorite part of the entire show. It was like a picture perfect finish. Sasha cross facing Bailey, and so, uh, Sasha had put a chair around Bailey's neck, playing up to the angle in which Bailey had hurt the neck before. That was another thing. These two played into that the whole way through. Bailey was trying to re-injure Sasha's neck, and Sasha was trying to give her a taste of their yeah. own medicine. So anyway, um, she puts her cross face on. She puts the chair in Bailey's neck, and then she fucking viciously just keeps kicking the chair so that it goes up into yeah. Bailey's neck until Bailey finally sort of taps out and passes out. Yeah, what it was a nasty finish! Looking. It was brutal. And that 
And then I just loved the... And that was immediately after, for about two minutes, them stealing each other's finishes. Uh-huh. And then I just loved the fact that Sasha stared at Bailey for a full minute, minute and a half, before she bothered to even look at the champion. Yeah, that, that's why I feel like this isn't over. There's, it's definitely going to continue. Which I'm happy with, because I, I feel like I can continuously watch these two have matches. I think this is where they book themselves into corners, again, because it's going to have to be... Sasha versus Asuka. Uh, Survivor Series. Yeah, th- this is where they go. This is do where they it do gets women versus women for them because yeah. So Survivor Series. I don't know when it started, but uh, the last couple of years, it's always champion versus champion now. Yeah. Which which was a novel idea to originally, and it was a cool idea for a little while. But this is what happens. This is the problem. You you can't always it, it like it doesn't work so that you always know when a feud is ending it might have to carry on naturally or the crowd might want more of it or it, you might have to stop it because i'm probably wrong but i feel like it started when someone got injured someone that aj was feuding and then to like keep the fans happy they had finn balor versus aj which was like a dream match that actually didn't really live up to to it instead and they were both champions at the time definitely sounds about right they, they wouldn't have come up with a new idea that this at this point this should easily go another couple of months honestly like they've dragged Orton and McIntyre out and nobody wanted that this match should this should actually go but then this is the problem this is their first singles match and they did it in a uh, it's not their first single match remember they had that stupid one last month well, yeah. But yeah, you're right, you're right. How do you I mean, up if you're the Hell in a Cell with... match, which had such a great finish and such a great uses of weapons all the way through? So once again, Survivor Series, you have to have champion versus champion. Hell in a Cell has to be in Hell in a Cell. It's quite clear that that problem with the latter end of the year for the is is the gimmicks. Because after, after Survivor Series, you've got TLC. Yeah, TLC you? after that. And then what's December? Or is that December? That's December. Then Royal Rumble, then Elimination Chamber. Because I think between Hell in a Cell and Survivor Series, they usually have a Saudi show. Probably not going to happen this year, no? No, no. no. But um, no, that's the problem, right? You you have... I, I don't think McIntyre would have lost the belt this month if they didn't have to do the champion versus Roman. Um, Sasha Bailey definitely would have happened and existed if they didn't have to face the Raw Women's Champion off against the SmackDown Women's. They cause issue for themselves in their schedule before they've even gotten around to writing a story. That's crazy, isn't it? That they do that to themselves. Is that just all branding and all... Or do you think that's just all Vince? I think that's... I I can't blame Vince for that. I think that's branding. I think he... They obviously do it for a reason, right? Like, you can't... As much as we think it's stupid... There must be a reason that well, yeah, they have Hell in a Cell every single year. Look, like, they must get a certain amount of casuals in. Yeah, because, I mean, look how important Rumble and Mania are. Once you've done TLC for so many years, it's got that name value. But I, this is where I, I do become a bit... I try to defend WWE at a certain point. Because can you imagine any other wrestling company with the schedule that they have, where they have to do this match, this match, this match every single month? And they do it as as consistently as WWE managed to. Not uh, not they, as this consistently, but TNA kind of did it. They had lockdown and they had um, Destination X. I th- I thought about lockdown earlier today when I was watching Bobby Lashley versus Slapjack, because you can kind of see why the early lockdowns were a bit of a bad idea, right? Yeah. Because they just have ev- they had everything in the yeah. cage. 
Bobby Lashley versus Slapjack in the cage. But it kind of worked because they put... I know TNA had a lot of stupid gimmicks, but most of the matches had an extra layer to them. And and then after you've watched three matches, it, the, the cage was just kind of there. You didn't notice it so much. I think the problem is it was Hell in the Cell, regular match, Hell in the Cell, regular match, Hell in the Cell. Whereas if they'd all been in Hell sure. in the Cell, I don't think it would have taken... It, it would ruin the Hell in the Cell as a gimmicked match completely if it hasn't been ruined already, but I feel like it wouldn't ruin the show. Um, sure. But yeah, for me, the Hell in the Cell gimmick's been ruined already. I, everything's starting to be a little bit ruined. I don't now. know. I still like a Money in the Bank. Well, well, apart from this I like, year's I like, one. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say, I do have a soft... I see, everybody seems to have their own favourite gimmick pay-per-view. I always have a soft spot for an elimination chamber. Yes, those are still good. But... Uh, well, I don't. I'm not keen on the square cage. I'm, I, yeah, but this, again, why do we have to overkill the overkill? You've already got it once a year. Do we need two, two a show? Yeah, exactly. We don't need two a show, yeah. do we? But then you got to make it like co-branded, which is what Survivor Series is. And again, like you said before, they're just causing themselves problems. Well, well, they've they've changed something. Every last year, everybody uh, got pissy because NXT were part of the champion versus champion stuff. Mm. This year, they've taken the NXT champions away from it, and everybody's gone pissy. So, so just sometimes, as as much pure shit as they they drivel out, and I'm like I'm not defending most of the stuff that I've seen. I'm not watching the weekly shows right now because they're awful. Sometimes you've got to feel a little bit of sympathy for WWE because it doesn't matter whether they do good or do wrong. They're still going to get criticized relentlessly because people can criticize them. For sure, they've they've developed a toxic uh, fan base, which is their own fault. They uh, they bred that, but um, it's definitely their own fault. Yeah. But yeah, once you get into that situation, it's hard to. It just sucks for um, like young casual fans to get involved when there's a toxic fan. But base. I mean, l- looking at the, and I'm not calling you toxic. I mean, that was your word. I'm not. I'm. Not, that's not something I want to say to you at all. I, I'm just making the point, like that Roman Uso match. If that was a different promotion, I feel like you would have enjoyed it. If AEW had put that match on, I feel like I still would have been angry with how messy it was at the end. I liked what the two guys did. They put on a great match. I just didn't like how so many extra layers were put on it when it's already a great story. It didn't need a, it didn't even need the cage, never mind the strap and the I quit. Those two just having a... Re- I, I know they had a regular match last month, so they got to do something different. But these two have created such a perfect story that we don't need all the bells and whistles see to me i i agree with the point that you just made there um you said they've already had one match so they needed to do something different i don't think they should have done anything different i think i think they should have had a one and done roman's tribal king yeah why 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 is he why is roman even entertaining the idea of a return match with somebody that he's alfred they didn't need this match at all, well, really. Wasn't it that they, they refused to say the words, right? So that's why they had to have another match to... I don't know. I don't, that, yeah, I mean, when you say it like that, it makes no sense, does it? Yeah, yeah. If Roman's the alpha, Roman would just ignore them until they're subservient anyway, surely. But, you know, that's nitpicking, <laughs> I guess. No, I... What was your overall thoughts on the um, show? I don't, I don't know. For me, it was a one one and a half match show for me. So, it was okay. I don't think I'll ever rewatch it. 
what well, it was a, definitely a two match show for me. I, I agree to disagree with you on that Roman stuff. I thought it was a great piece of business. Sasha Bailey was great. I'm never watching uh, Randy Orton versus McIntyre again, and the rest was throwaway. So it's a you know. shame because Orton and Drew definitely could have done something great. It, but it's a shame, like we said, we had fatigue of the cages. And if maybe if they had gone on first and Roman went on last, would have been a different story. That's well, that's exactly the thing. If you if Roman was the if Roman Uso was the main event, people would shit on it. If Sasha Bailey was the main event, people would shit on it. McIntyre for all, and Orton, for all I know, might have had a great match. I just can't see that because I've got jaded eyes, and it's not they're not independently jaded. They've been jaded by the product and watching. Did you notice that they try to present the Hell in a Cell cage differently with each match? So um, the first one they did the entrances and then the cage lowered and then the second one. No, 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 sorry, the, the cage lowered and then they walked in. Oh, the second yeah, one yeah. they came in and then the cage lowered. And then the third one they lowered it with pyros and fire was erupting everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, so they try to make it feel different every time. Emperor's yeah, new clothes. Exactly, really exactly. The... <laughs> but it, I did find it funny that they... Um... This just shows you that nobody watches the pre-show and they know it. They lowered the cage, they lowered the cell as the pre-show was going off the air, and then went onto the air of the pay-per-view and lowered the cell again. Yeah, brilliant. So that's funny. Okay, well that's that. I I might check out uh, Halloween Havoc just out of curiosity to see whether they use the old setup. I highly doubt it. Considering the way they use Great American Bash, I don't with, think they would. With special presenter Shotzi Blackheart. That's the one, Is she yeah. the most spooky-looking uh, gimmick that they've got? She's got green hair, I guess. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and a and tank. And the hipster-looking <laughs> tights and socks. Yeah. And a tank. Well, was... I'm, I'm, more <laughs> interest, I'm more interested to see uh, if they actually bother to use the WCW. With, with the massive pumpkins. Mm-hmm. I, I, doubt I mean, they, they did it with um, In Your House. Yeah, but with Great American Bash, they just got a car. A car and American flag. That was it. <laughs> yeah, but that was quickly thrown so, together to compete with AEW. So this might be a bit different. They might have a little bit more thought have gone into it. Just while we're live on air, the real Kurt Angle just liked our photo. Whoa! Exciting. <laughs> the actual Kurt Angle. Which photo? It's just a stock image of. Oh, the, yeah, Versus with the zombies. movie. Yeah. Thanks, Kurt. I wonder if he ever like thinks about that movie. I was like, what a mistake I made. <laughs> or maybe he looks well, back just, and he's like, that was that was some of the best, happiest memories of his career. If if he doesn't want to look back on that memory, I've just made him. <laughs> I just made the Kurt Angle, the real Kurt Angle look back at that and I feel really fucking bad about it. But uh... You know there are some <laughs> actors that never that don't watch their work. So quite possibly Kurt Angle never will watch the movie. Do you reckon I've just made Kurt Angle's evening worse. Worse? Well, he likes yeah. the picture, so maybe... Yeah, but maybe he forgot about the movie. Maybe it's going to, like, play like, oh, the actor I could have been if it wasn't for <laughs> that bullshit. So we've got something really exciting coming up. Yeah, we're going to start a whole new saga. Not even a season, it's going to be a saga. Until we get <laughs> bored. So we're starting in January 1990, and we're just going to go forever. Forever, I think. Forever, well, as long as we can, as yeah. long as we want to. I'm enjoying myself right now, so who knows? Maybe so we'll be able to do that. So we're three shows in. You, you watch Russell. I yet. started it. Oh, okay. 
So yeah, so we're, we're two shows I'm in. Two shows in. Two shows in. And uh, already there's a massive stark difference between WCW and WWF. Yes. Yeah, but we'll get to that next week. Great. <laughs> Good chat. Go in the cells, over with for another year. That was that was nice and quick, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, share, and subscribe to keep it botched up, brother.